Good morning, Timberlake. It's good to see you. I'm Pastor Brad. It's good to be with you in worship this morning. If you're a guest, we especially welcome you. Thank you for being with us. It's good to be together and to hear a word from God. We are in our sermon series called Teach Us to Pray. You'll notice in your bulletin there's a little thing that looks a lot like the bulletin cover. This is our Lent devotions. Go ahead and pull it out right now. Look and see what's there. This is Bible readings for your daily use through the week. There's an activity, a prayer for each day, and we hope that this would be a guide for your prayer and study through the week. You'll notice on Saturday there's a weekly creative project. This week's project is Start a Garden. So maybe it's a big full-size garden in your backyard, or maybe it's just a a teeny little egg carton garden that you start. But uh, this is a good time of year to do this and to remember that God is the creator who makes all things and gives life to us and to all the things that grow. And so use this, please. Let it be a blessing to you and your family. So today we're talking about unanswered prayers. And I want to invite you to sort of get into that mode and to think about your own experience of life and the things that you've prayed for that maybe have not come about and the kind of response you hope for from God that maybe you didn't get or maybe you're still waiting on today. And so with that in mind, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to read verses 7 through 11. This is from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is teaching his followers about prayer. And Jesus says this, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So I wonder if you've ever had this experience. You prayed to God for something, but you didn't receive it. So when you were a kid, maybe you prayed for a dog, but instead you got a lecture on responsibility, right? Or when you were a teenager, you prayed for good grades, and instead what you got was a math tutor. And when you're an adult, you prayed for good health and good relationships and a good job. And some of the time, maybe those things did not materialize in your life. I wonder if you can relate to what we're talking about. Have you ever had this experience before, any of you, where you prayed for something and that your prayers were not answered, at least not in the way that you had hoped or in the time that you had hoped, and were left wondering, why? Why, God? Why did my friend not receive healing? How come my marriage didn't work? I prayed for these things, but my prayers were not answered or uh, maybe if you are uh, Brad and uh, your wife was fired from Cracker Barrel. Did you see this story? Brad Bird, he posted on Facebook, Why did you fire my wife? And it just blew up on the internet. His wife was working at Cracker Barrel. She got fired. And these are the questions that plague us, right? These are the questions that keep us up at night. Why did you fire my wife? <laughs> Oh, man, I don't know if you think it's funny, but I think it's hilarious. So um, not that she was fired, right, but that this, this blew up on the Internet. So, so we take these questions that we wrestle with, and we put them up against the text that we read this morning, the words of Jesus, and we realize this is hard to understand, and you know what else? It's even harder to accept. Jesus said, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. 
For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be open. That sounds good, right? That sounds great. And we say, thank you, Jesus, for that promise. I'll, I'll count on it. I'll cling to it. I'll cast myself on your mercy, knowing that this is your word to me. And we believe that Jesus tells us the truth. We believe. We trust him at his word, right? And yet, and yet we don't always experience life exactly according to this rule all the time, do we? Sometimes we ask, and, and it's not given to us. And sometimes we, we search, and we don't actually find what we were looking for. And sometimes we knock, and the door isn't opened, at least not in the way that we hoped that it would be. So we got to confess, there's mystery. There's mystery here. What can we say about these things? Well, let's start with the text itself. Uh, these ideas, asking and seeking and knocking. Let's put them in their historic context for a moment. These are Jewish ideas about prayer. In the Old Testament books of wisdom literature like Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, the idea of seeking is synonymous with prayer. And when a Jewish person hears that word seeking, what they would immediately think of is seeking the will of God. Seeking the will of God. Uh, when they heard the word knocking, that was also an expression for prayer. So knocking on, on the door of the throne room of God. So when we talk about asking and seeking and knocking, we're not talking about three distinct separate ideas. These are all three of the same kinds of ideas, three expressions of the same thing, which is pursuing the will of God through prayer. That is what Jesus is asking us to consider and inviting us to look at is pursuing the will of God through prayer. So what that means is prayer is then something more than we imagined. Even in the midst of our petitions, of our requests to God, we see that it's something more than just our wishes and needs and wants. Prayer is a journey. This is not just about requests. This is a quest. This is a quest for the mind of Christ and for the heart of God and to desire the things that God desires for us and wants to give us. And so we come full of expectation, hearing Jesus' words, understanding not only God can act, but also God will act. And we trust God. We say, God, we know that you're working in our lives, and so we expect that you are going to act. Would you, would you move, God? Would you move in me? Would you move me? God, and show me what you have for me in my life. So when Jesus encourages us to bring our very real human needs to God in prayer, it's not so much to inform God. You see, God already knows what we need, and it's not even really to persuade God. Hey, God, really, please, would you do this thing for me? It's really an expression of our relationship with God. Prayer is the language of our relationship with God. God. And this kind of prayer is an act of dependence, where we are saying, God, you are our Heavenly Father. We are utterly dependent on you for everything. And we come like children, right, before God, because God is our Heavenly Father and we are God's children. So I want to share with you a simple, but I think really helpful way to think about the ways that God responds to our prayers. Now, I borrowed this from Bill Hybels, who's the pastor at Willow Creek Church in Chicago, and uh, he says that when we ask God for something, we can typically expect one of four responses, and they are these. No, slow, 
grow or go. No slow grow or go. Say that with me. Ready? No slow grow or go. Faster. Ready? No slow grow or go. Faster. Ready? No slow grow or go. Okay, you're getting it. Good job. Good job. All right. So when we ask for the wrong thing, sometimes, often, God says no. Right? When the timing of our request is not quite right, God may say slow. When we are not in right relationship with God, God may say, grow, you need to grow. And when the request is right and the timing is right and our hearts are right with God's heart, God may say, go, go for it. And the answer would be yes. And so we could say most or at least some of God's responses to our prayers can be thought about in these four ways. So let's start with the first one. Sometimes God says no. And if we're honest, we would acknowledge we don't always understand why. But sometimes, sometimes we do understand why God says no. And sometimes it's because we ask for things that are not in our best interest. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that before? And maybe you didn't realize at the time, but after you realized, oh, Thank God that God didn't say yes to me on that because that would have been way worse than the thing I actually received or, or the experience that I actually had. And imagine the way a parent says no to a child. Can that not be a very loving thing to say, right? So when we say no to our children, it's because we're putting healthy boundaries around their lives so that they can thrive in, in a safe and predictable environment and they can know what to expect and that they can, can live up to the, the holy calling to which God has called them. So our Heavenly Father does the same thing with us, right? God says no, puts healthy boundaries around our lives so that we can thrive. Sometimes God says no in the answer to our prayers when our, our prayers would be detrimental to others. Can you imagine that in every war that has ever been fought on this earth, on both sides, there are people praying for victory for themselves and defeat for the enemy. Now, how can God say yes to all of those people all at the same time? There are times when our prayers are self-contradictory, right? And so we pray, God, would, would you make me more generous? And God, I don't really have to be the most generous person ever, but, but at least make me more generous than that jerk, Linda, who lives next door. You know, she's terrible. Even the disciples were told no sometimes. If you read in the Gospels, you see that a number of times they're getting told no. So one time Jesus took Peter and James and John. They went up on a mountain, and it's the story of the transfiguration. Maybe you know that story, but what you need to know for this morning is uh, the glory of God was revealed to these disciples, and it was so good. They said, oh, let's stay here. Uh, here's what we'll do, Jesus. They said, we'll build tents, you know, one for you and, and one for Moses and Elijah, and, and we'll just stay up here forever. And Jesus said, no, there's more work to do. We've got to go back down the mountain. There's more work to do in the valley. Another time, James and John came to Jesus and said, said hey, would you set aside special seats for us, for us brothers? And because, you know, we, we think we're pretty special, and we're assuming you think we're pretty special. And, and Jesus said, you don't really know what you're asking for. You don't really want that. And then another time, same James and John, they, uh, they were passing by a town that had rejected Jesus and resisted the gospel. And they said, hey, Jesus, you know, we could do a favor for you. We'd be glad to call down fire from heaven and just destroy that city. Does that sound good? And Jesus is like, come on, are you serious? No, that's not how God works. So sometimes God tells us no. And sometimes God says slow. Now, let's be honest. We are impatient people, aren't we? Raise your hand if you're impatient. 
Okay, a lot of you, yeah, I'm not the only one. I feel so much better. Thanks for your honesty. You know, we're not good at waiting on God, are we? Uh, but sometimes we have to slow down. We need to realize that our preferred timing is not always God's preferred timing for our lives. And, and what we find is that in God's wisdom, God who knows more than us and understands more deeply than us, God is responding not only to the particular request that we make, but also the underlying intent of our prayers. And the goodness of God is that God doesn't just necessarily give us what we ask for, but God gives us what we need. And God is revealing it to us over time. And sometimes God says, slow down, because we need to be more patient and see the ways that God's answers to our prayers are unfolding in our lives. A little over a year ago, uh, my wife Donna and I were talking about um, what God was doing in our lives and, and about where we would be in ministry for the coming years. And we sensed God's spirit moving and saying to us, Brad, Donna, you need to be open to a different appointment. You need to be open to serving a different church. And, and we had been serving a great church. We had been there seven years in the, in the Harrisonburg district. Um, and so we wanted to serve another great church. But, you know, we were concerned about other things as well. As parents, we were concerned about having good schools for our kids. And we were concerned about being in a good neighborhood and having friends. And, and we didn't really want to leave the friends we had, but we knew we wanted to make new friends wherever we went. And, of course, most important of all, we needed to live near a Starbucks. <laughs> so, so I, in my wisdom, I thought, okay, the best place for that to happen would be Richmond, or Fredericksburg, or Arlington, or, or something like that. So that's what I told my superintendent. Hey, you know, we're not in a hurry to move, but if you're going to move us, how about Richmond, or Fredericksburg, or Arlington? He said, okay. And that's what I prayed for. And then God answered my prayer, and God sent us to Lynchburg. <laughs> right? Okay. <laughs> and God was saying to me, Brad, slow down. Slow down. God is saying to me, I've got something that is better than what you have imagined, but would you trust me enough to follow instead of lead, right? I love being a leader. Some of you are called to leadership, but you know what? Even leaders follow because Jesus is our Lord. He's the one who we follow after. And so God was saying to me, Brad, slow down. Let me go ahead. Let me show you what good thing I've got for you. And my friends, I got to tell you this morning, I'm not just saying this. Being at Timberlake has been a greater blessing than I could have ever imagined. And I never could have orchestrated this, me coming to this church. I, I didn't even know you existed. <laughs> is, that, is that hurt your feelings? That doesn't hurt your feelings. Okay. I did not know Timberlake existed really until you know, February of last year when I got that call. Uh, and, and look what God is doing. You know, look what God is doing in my life and in our lives together. It has been so good. So sometimes God says, slow. And sometimes God says grow. Sometimes God asks us to grow up, to mature in our faith, to, to gain wisdom and understanding so that we can pray the right way. Because you notice mature people in faith pray differently than immature people in the faith. And when we were less mature years ago, we prayed differently then, right, than we pray now because we have been growing up in the faith. And now we ask differently and we ask for different things because of that maturing that we have experienced. God is inviting us to see the world the way God sees the world. So look with me at James chapter 4, verse 3. The New Testament book of James says, You ask and do not receive. Why? Because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get 
on your own pleasures. You see, friends, sometimes we don't get what we want in prayer because we came to God with the wrong attitude. Or we asked God for the wrong things. And when Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you, maybe Jesus is assuming that what we're asking for is in line with God's will. Maybe what Jesus is assuming is that the timing is right. Maybe Jesus is assuming that we're going to ask in a way in which our hearts are right with God's heart. I mean, we need to be sure that we're not asking with selfish motives. And we can be sure when we do, we will not get the answer that we want. If our request does not advance the kingdom of God, you know, if it does not bring God glory, then we can be sure the answer will not be yes. You know, I can pray for a Lamborghini all day long, but that just ain't happening. Oh, you have to admit, that would be sweet, right? (laughs) That would look really good out in the parking lot if I had a Lamborghini. You see, so even when we ask for good things, and even when we ask in the right kind of timing, there may be something in us that needs to change, that needs to change before God or as God grants our request. So my encouragement to you this morning is to look into your own soul. Look in the mirror of your faith and ask yourself, really, what are my motives? What is my interest in asking this of God? Ask yourself, what is it about me that needs to change? Ask yourself, how am I growing in my imagination about the kingdom of God? And can I see all of what God is doing? Or can I only see just this little narrow spot in front of me? And ask God to open your eyes to see out there and to see in here. This is the kind of self-examination that we talked about last week, that in prayer, God exposes those things about our souls that we may not like to bring out in the light of day, but that need to be opened up to God's work of healing and power so we can be transformed. And then God can remove whatever it is in us that is preventing us from following Jesus and from doing God's will instead of our own. So sometimes God says no or slow or grow, and sometimes God says go. Sometimes God says yes to our requests. One of my favorite experiences of all time uh, when God said go to me was when I was getting ready a few years ago to head to Honduras with the church I was serving. We were going on a mission trip to bring medical care to the people of Honduras. And by the way, let me ask you to be sure to be praying for our own Timberlake Jamaica medical team. Uh, The folks left just this weekend, and they went down to Jamaica, and they are going to be blessing Jamaican people in Jesus' name and in your name on your behalf. So let me ask you to be praying for them. So a couple years ago, I was on a similar trip. We headed to Honduras, and my prayer was, God, please use me. God, I I was the chaplain for the team. You know, it was kind of an easy prayer to say, God, let me be a blessing to someone else. And I assumed that that meant God was going to put me in in opportunities to bless the people of Honduras. And God did that. But you know what else God did? God gave me this amazing opportunity to bless the people on the team who I was going with. Now, I assumed that everybody on the team was a disciple of Jesus. And most people were, but not Tim. Tim was not a follower of Jesus Christ. And it just so happened that on the way down to Honduras, God worked it out for my seat on the airplane to be next to Tim's seat on the airplane. Now, you need to know this. When people sit on an airplane next to a pastor, 
the conversation goes in all kinds of fun and crazy ways. And so some of us, I'll be honest, we hesitate to admit that we're pastors and we'll make up other stuff, depending on whether we feel like talking on the airplane or not. But uh, this time, Tim knew, Tim knew what I did for a living and that my role on the team was, was the chaplain. And so conversation turned towards spiritual things. And Tim told me, you know, he said, I grew up in the church, but I'm not really a person of faith. I don't really believe. And he said he was an agnostic an agnostic, which meant for him, he's not hostile to the idea of God, but he's just unconvinced. He didn't necessarily really believe that there's a God or that God has anything to do with him. And he asked me as we're talking, he said, can you suggest a prayer for an agnostic? Now, you know those times in your life when God gives you exactly what you need at exactly the right moment? Well, this is one of those moments for me. And before I even realized what I was saying, the words just spilled out of my mouth. I said, Tim, pray like this. Reveal yourself, O Lord. And Tim said, all right, I'll, I'll pray that. I'll try that. So the next day was Sunday, and the, the first clinic day was on Monday. So we had a sort of a, a day of rest and a day of preparation for the week of clinics. And we went to the riverside by the waterfall, and we had worship, and we had Holy Communion together. And Tim told me afterward, he said, uh, you know, that was the first time that I had received the body and blood of Jesus in years and years. And, you know, on the inside, I was jumping up and down, hallelujah, yes. But on the outside, I played it super cool. And I was like, oh, okay, great. Yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you participated. You know, Tim, it sounds like you're open to God. And he said, I think so. I think so. So the next day, um, I was le leading the evening devotions, and after the devotions, Kim, uh, Tim came over and, and sat down next to me, and, and he said, you know, Padre, and he always called me Padre, which is kind of a, an affectionate term in Latin America for the father or the pastor in the community. He said, you know, Padre, uh, during the devotions tonight, I think I might have felt the big man upstairs. He said, maybe, maybe, I'm not sure, but he said, uh, I have a peace in my life right now that I have never, ever had before. My friends, God was answering my prayer, and God was answering Tim's prayer. So we've talked about these four ways that God responds. Uh, there's another way to think about unanswered prayers, uh, and it rhymes with no, slow, grow, and go, and it is this, we don't know. We don't know. There are times when we pray for something, right? And it would seem like it's in line with God's will. And it would seem like the time is right. And it would seem like our hearts are right with God's heart. And still, our prayer is not answered. And the only answer to the question, why doesn't God answer my prayer, is we don't know. We don't know. Why does God allow earthquakes and tornadoes that hurt people? We don't know. Why doesn't God stop the violence, unnecessary violence of this world that's committed by ISIS and other terrorist groups? We don't know. Uh, why does God let my spouse slip into such deep depression? We don't know. Why doesn't God heal my child? We don't know. Dear friends, let me encourage you, let me encourage all of us. In these cases, it, we would do well to confess our ignorance, to say, we do not know. We cannot know. 
Let's avoid the easy answers that we tend to give to each other around these questions. Let's avoid the trite statements. Let's avoid blaming the person who's suffering by suggesting they ought to have more faith. And let's say the truth, which is we do not know. We do not know. This is hard, right? This is hard because when we face these kind of difficult questions, we may feel like we have to have the answers, when, especially when someone else comes to us, someone we love, someone who trusts us to be the one who can understand the will of God and, and open the Bible and pray for them. And if you're that person of faith for someone else, they come to you and they say, can you explain this? You know, you're, you're the God guy in my life. You're the God woman in my life. Why? And we have to say we don't know. We don't know. We want to understand, right? We long for understanding. We don't like to acknowledge the limits of our power and of our understanding. But this is true, my friends. We don't always know why bad things happen in life. And so don't be afraid to admit it because God is mystery. God is mystery. God's thoughts are not our thoughts, and God's ways are not our ways. And so even while we seek to embrace this mystery, let me encourage you. That God is good. My friends, God is good all the time and always, every waking moment and sleeping moment of your life, God is awake and God is working in this world for good for you and for every person on this earth. God is always working. God is the author of life, my friends. And so God is working to bring about life, to bring about resurrection. You see, one of the great parts of our good news of Jesus Christ is we don't have to wait until we die to experience resurrection. Jesus wants to give you new life today, today. And I wonder if you would open your hearts to it. And here's the thing. We have to trust God. We have to trust God. And when we have all these heavy questions for which there seems to be no answer, God invites us to, to cast ourselves on God's mercy and to say, God, I, I trust you. God, I, I, will, I will be with you. I will follow you. Remember Jesus' promise that we read earlier. Remember these words? Look at Matthew 7 with me. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for bread, will give a stone? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? My friends, we are like children, and God is our heavenly Father. And if we as humans know how to love each other, how much more does our heavenly Father know how to love us? God wants to pour blessings upon blessings into your life. And we'll confess it may not always be the blessings that we are hoping for or, or the blessings that we expected, but they're blessings nonetheless. And God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing in your life. So friends, remember this. God's answer to your prayer and God's response to all the suffering and hurts of this world is to make all things new and to set all things right and to bring peace and to bring healing and to bring reconciliation and to offer you eternal life through the grace of of Jesus Christ our Lord. So when you struggle with not understanding God's answer to your prayer, remember this. God's ultimate answer to your prayer is the cross and resurrection of Jesus. That's how much God loves you. Jesus died so you can live.
Amen.